0: You are listening to the Break the Business Podcast. I'm Ryan Carella, and it is a pleasure to have you here this week for episode 145. I am feeling so good. I am in such an appreciative mood today. I appreciate all of you listening to this show, supporting this podcast. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm in love with each and every one of you right now. I appreciate you guys following the show on social media, which you can do it at the BTB podcast on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan K-A-I-R. You can like us on Facebook. Just search Break the Business and we'll pop right up. I appreciate you guys doing all that stuff. I appreciate you guys telling a friend. We've never taken formal advertising for this podcast. I've never really taken out a lot of Facebook ads. I don't advertise on other podcasts. All the growth we've had for this show, it's been organic, man. It's been you telling a friend. It's been you as a musician finding another musician in your life or finding another music lover in your life and saying, Hey, I know about this podcast. We got a nice community going here. We're helping each other out. You should give it a listen and that's how we've been growing. And it's been wonderful. I'm I'm just, I was looking at the podcast numbers the other day and I'm just so appreciative for what we've been building around here. This past August has been the best month ever for this podcast. And the month isn't even over yet. We still have a few days left and we've already topped all the other months. We're growing every month. We're moving up in the world. I, I love it. I appreciate it so much. And All I can ask is that if you have the time, just keep that love train going. All I ask of you guys, just tell a friend. Help us expand this community out so we can help each other more and help others more together. Again, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it. Our guest this week, speaking of just more good things to be happy, happy about, I'm so excited for us to talk to Ian Temple. He is the founder and CEO of Soundfly. I love me some Soundfly cool platform and online music ed platform. They got all these courses, they got mentorship resources, they got lots of articles on the flypaper blog that they have, all of it geared to helping musician entrepreneurs like you. So I'm excited to talk to this guy and we're going to get some tips from somebody who knows how to help musicians, been helping musicians get informed for a living for a long time Uh, I saw in his Twitter bio that he's a fan of the Canadian Football League. We'll probably talk about that because Canada is always a great topic for us to talk about around here. I'm sure he's going to have some good advice. I'm stoked to talk to Ian Temple, and you should be stoked to listen, so stick around for that. And I also love Soundfly because they actually mentioned our podcast in an er article earlier this month. The Flypaper blog that I was talking about earlier, they name-checked us. In an article written by our dear friend, Angela Mastro Giacomo, she wrote an article for Flypaper called 16 Podcasts to Inspire Your Inner Music Entrepreneur. And darn it, if we weren't one of the 16 podcasts, always love to get that kind of pub. What an honor to be mentioned alongside some of my favorite podcast hosts in the biz. I was so touched. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk to the Soundfly people and get some great advice from them. So don't go anywhere for that. I, I anticipate that we're going to have a lot of stuff to discuss, so I want to bring him in here ASAP possible. And so I'm going to do a quick piece of news. In fact, I got a listener question this week. We're going to do the listener question then we're going to bring in Ian Temple, talk about Soundfly, get some advice, good time had by all. Here's the question. This is a cool listener question. Um, talking about music publishing this week always an important topic because again you know music publishing, music copyrights it is the lifeblood of everything you guys are doing as artists entrepreneurs. So this question's right up our alley. here's the question the uh, letter writer writes <laughs> letter writer the email writer <laughs> writes hi Ryan. And that's how I have to say it. I have to say it with that kind of loudness because they said hi, Ryan in all caps. I feel like a lot of you letter writers do that to me. For some reason, you just want to say hi, Ryan and giant caps letters. So I have to read it that way. Hi, Ryan. I want to do a cover song on my next album, but I want to translate the lyrics into Spanish. Can I still get a mechanical license to do that? Good question. And As always, I love any letter writer, why do I keep saying letter writer, email writer, I love anybody who writes this show and wants a tip from us and shows us that they are respectful of the intellectual property of others as this person is. Kudos. So for that, good question. Now let's talk about this question because there's a lot to unpack here. And one of the things that we need to identify first and foremost is if you're going to cover somebody else's song for your album, if one of your 12 tracks or two of your 12 tracks is somebody else's song that you want to do your own recording of, you always need to get a mechanical license for that. And you can always apply for one. But when I read the writer's phrase here when they say, "Can I still get a mechanical license to do that?" I'm I'm going to try to do a little bit of translation of my own here. I'm reading this as you asking whether you can get a compulsory mechanical license for the cover if you were to translate the lyrics into Spanish. In other words, you want to do a cover in which you translate the lyrics into Spanish, but you still want to be able to pay the compulsory mechanical license rate and not have to get the copyright holder's permission because of the compulsory mechanical license laws. That's what I'm kind of hearing this as. And if that's what you're trying to do, the answer to that is no. Because to be able to get a compulsory mechanical license, you cannot make significant changes to the melody or lyrics of the work. Now, you do have some flexibility in terms of your cover to still be able to stay in compulsory mechanical license land and not actually need the copyright holder's direct permission. You can still cover the song in your own style. You can still change the key. You can play with the tempo to a large extent. But one of the things that you cannot do is is change the lyrics, which very much includes translating all the lyrics into a different language. But to answer your question more broadly, you can still get a mechanical license. Absolutely. You just won't be able to get it automatically as a compulsory mechanical license. You would still need to try to get the publisher's permission directly and pay whatever fees you'd negotiate with them. And now you might be asking, well, how do I do that? Well, Um, I know you can't just like, you know, go find a publisher and knock on their door. What I would recommend you to do is go the service, like easy song licensing. Uh, These guys work out these kind of licenses all the time and they can help you get that non-compulsory mechanical license. Just find them on the internet. They'll help you out. All right. Hope that was helpful. Ian Temple coming up next. Keep listening to the break the business podcast. is the founder and CEO of Soundfly, an online music education platform that provides a wide array of information, courses, and mentorship for musicians and music entrepreneurs. You can find out more about the platform by visiting www.soundfly.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Ian Temple is on the Break the Business podcast. Hey, Ian, how's it going? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um. so excited to talk to you. I mean, you're a big music education advocate. You've obviously done a lot of things in the music industry, and we have a lot of things to talk about there. But let's start with the natural starting point, Canada. So... I, I saw in your bio that, and we're, we're going to talk all about Soundfly. Don't worry about that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> something about your bio intrigued me. I saw that you know you, you you were born in the U.S., but you are a McGill man. You went to McGill University. You spent a few years in Canada, and according to your Twitter bio, you have developed a love for the Canadian Football League. And I've been waiting to find somebody who's a fan of the Canadian Football League for a while because I'm an NFL guy. I grew up in the U.S. You know, red meat eating American over here. But a few weeks ago, I was flipping through channels and I stumbled upon a CFL game. And I was ready to just mock it, be like, okay, here we go, silly Canadian football. But damn it, if it wasn't the most fun I've had watching a football game in a long time. Y'all got a lot of good things going with the CFL. It's, it's fast-paced, there's fewer downs, so you got more passing. The field's wider, so the players have room to move around. I want you to do something for me, Ian. For, for the Americans out there who might not be familiar with the CFL or have just prejudged it. can you give us 30 seconds on why we should get into this league?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I love that this is where this is starting of course. Um, uh, so the CFL is is it's extremely exciting. It's uh, uh, so as you said, it's got these the, the, the bigger fields, um, it's three downs. So people, you ha- you have fewer tries to kind of get that 10 yards. Uh, so you tend to have these big plays. Um, and, uh, you know, I think one of the other things that's great about it is the season starts in June and ends in November. So you, if, you know, for the NFL fans who are wondering what to watch over the summer, uh, CFL pops up on ESPN every once in a while. And, uh, and it's definitely worth, uh, worth checking out. It's a good, it's a good thing for, uh, for those uh, football fans who need something in the off season.
0: Absolutely. And that that's, I think that's how I stumbled upon it. I was just like thirsty for football. And I just saw the, that familiar sound of the crowd roaring on a random TV channel. I was just drawn (laughs) to it like a moth to a flame. And
1: yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's a good, it's a good sport. It's a good game.
0: And, you know, you might be new to this podcast, Ian, and I don't want you to think I'm singling you out. I actually open every interview question by talking about Canadian football with every guest. Yeah. So, I mean, you, 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 we're not, tre- no special I mean, treatment for you. I expected this, much. I yeah. expected this much. Yeah. Of course. Well, now let's, let's naturally sag back to the music industry here, because uh, I want to talk about Soundfly. I dig this platform a lot. There are a lot of platforms out there. That provide music and entrepreneurship education. We we've talked to lots of different guests about the platforms they have, but there are a few goodies about Soundfly that I think are make it pretty special. Can you talk a bit about what makes Soundfly different from some of the other education options out there for artists?
1: Sure. Yeah. No. I, I, absolutely. I think what, really the thing that makes us most different um, is this real commitment to to learning and doing what actually works when it comes to learning. So everyone who's taken an online course is kind of familiar with this model of you sign up and you watch some videos, you maybe kind of click through some stuff, read an article, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's actually not how we learn very well. You know, that that's a useful way to ingest some in information, but ask me about it tomorrow and I've probably forgotten already. So it's Soundfy, we really tried to fight that all along. So. We, we made our content kind of more, uh, in, we made it into shorter chunks and we, we offered chances for recall with quizzes. Um, but then also we, we developed this model that revolves around uh, personal coaching as you go through your courses. So you're going through the content, you're watching those videos, you're reading that content, but you're also getting basically the the online version of a, a private teacher reaching out to you and saying, Hey, you know, how's it going? You know, and giving you activities to practice, giving you uh, suggestions, helping you structure your time so that you can make sure you're using it most effectively. Um, and the reason we do that is, is just, we we know the research shows that learning is so much more effective when it's engaged and when it's active, when you are taking strides and kind of putting, the things you're learning into action right away. So we wanted to create the online platform that inspires the most offline action. And I think that's the key thing that makes us different.
0: And you have some great mentors on that platform as well. And of course, one of our favorites uh, on the podcast, Angela Mastro Giacomo, uh, is working with you guys. Oh, nice. And yeah, we, yeah.
1: She's fantastic.
0: Yeah. We adore her around here, if for no other reason that she has the coolest sounding name in the music business. And I've literally interviewed somebody on this show named Dave Cool, and her name's even cooler. So uh, she's yeah. <laughs> she's super smart, super knowledgeable. So you're getting the right people for this, which I love. I love asking the music entrepreneur education people this question because it definitely matters here. What are some of the areas, when you look at the vista of indie artists out there, what areas of music education, and music entrepreneurship education do you think tend to be the biggest blind spots for indie artists? Where do indie artists need the most education?
1: That's a really great question, and we see we see a a lot of different things. Um, I mean, they tend to fall into three big buckets uh, and I'll focus mostly on the third one. Um, So we do get a lot of people who come to us for songwriting help and that's probably the first one where they are writing pretty generic stuff and part of our challenge is like helping them really figure out what makes them unique and then channeling that into their songwriting. So I think that's that's the first kind of, I mean, I don't know if it's a blind spot, but but it's something that we see a lot, is how can we push and challenge and, and help these people kind of harness their natural curiosity and the things that get them going to make sure that their music is truly unique to them so they can stand up. I think the second one is just the production stuff. I don't think that's a blind spot, actually, but people come to us all the time. Everyone knows they need it. In these, you know, in this day and age, musicians need to be able to produce, record, uh, you know, make their music sound good, um, and so we get that a lot. Uh, sorry, there seems to be a skateboarder going by outside the window. Um, and I think the third one is, is you know, it's it's another one that's talked about a lot, which is just the, the the business side of things, the how to promote. And I think maybe once again, it's not necessarily a blind spot because we all know we need it but w- with the music industry having changed so much in the past 20 30 years and changing you know literally year in year out um, it it's something that we all are facing it's the same challenge for everyone um, and you know one person's model that got them successful last year might not work next year and so i think That's one of the things that's really fun to work on in this kind of personalized coaching setting because you can be really flexible around it and you can kind of explore it together rather than being very dogmatic about it. Um, But I think that that is absolutely a challenge. How do I, in today's hyper-competitive music environment, where it costs very little to produce a song and put it up on Spotify, how do I stand out? You know, how do I stand out from a music point of view and how do I stand out from... A brand point of view? And how do I, you know, stand out in terms of getting my music out there?
0: Yeah. And I love that you guys focus not just on the music entrepreneurship stuff, which is of course important. And we got a whole dang podcast around it here, but <laughs> that you also focus on the music creation. Cause as you identified, it's a really competitive landscape. And one of the ways you can cut through the clutter is just to not let your content be stale, always be creating kind of work that creativity muscle and in that regard, I'd love to get back to something you said about songwriting, and you, you touched on this, but I think this is going to be something where artists want to hear even more from you. Mm. If I'm one of these artists who want to take my songwriting to the next level, but you know the stuff I'm writing is sort of basic, and it, it, I'm not really reaching my full potential. With you know, of course, and uh, we're going to get all these people to get your course for it, but uh, yeah, <laughs> if, you can, if you can give us some, Come tid- to yeah, <laughs> that's right. But and, and so that would be the short answer to this question. But uh, can you give us some tidbits on what's what the songwriters out there listening can do tomorrow to kind of get their songwriting or at least start to get their songwriting to the next level?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think there are a couple things. So the starting place is probably I, I don't know if you've ever seen it, there's this fantastic video on. Vimeo, I think it is that someone made around an Ira Glass speech called "The Gap," and basically the crux of this, this speech that Ira Glass uh, gives is, you know, that artists ha- get into being artists because they have amazing taste; they know what they know what's good when they see it. Um, but at the beginning, they don't have the skills necessary to make stuff that's good enough for their taste. So they know it's not quite good enough, but they don't know how to get there. Um, and he calls that the gap. And and it's this amazing video. I I, I recommend everyone Google that, just the gap by, by Ira Glass and, and watch it. It's super inspirational. Um, and and he just, you know, his advice is just create a lot. Um I think that is the starting place to some degree um is is you want to just make sure that you're constantly flexing those muscles. You're constantly um, making making new songs and, and, and responding to what the, you know, your friends, your family, your audience, your fans really loves. I think the more nuanced answer is create a lot, but also create on the edge of your comfort zone. So, um, so rather than just writing a hundred songs, um, write a song, then seek feedback. You know, what, what, what is what do people think about that song um what parts of seek feedback from yourself what parts of that song do you think aren't quite resonating with yourself or, or or feeling correct listen to other music and say like what's the difference between here and there and then focus in on your next song or your next activity whatever it is focus in on on that specific piece that you want to work on next so you know, I, I think my sound design, I, I really, I, I want better sounds in there. Well, then just create 10 different 30 second pieces of music that have perfect sound design, push yourself in that direction. And then after you do that, then write another song and see whether you can incorporate that sound design in there. So it's that it's its not just create, 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 it's create, 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 in a way that's you're constantly challenging yourself and pushing yourself along the edge of your comfort zone. And that's, that lines up with the research around how we learn that lines up in the research, uh, with the research around, um, kind of becoming an expert in something and, and being successful over the long term.
0: Yeah. Really strong research based information, courses and mentorship insight at www.soundfly.com. Um, and that, you know, it's a cool platform, a lot of great stuff on there. And I want to ask you a little bit here about uh, the global landscape of music education. Cause when you build a platform mm. like soundfly, it has to give you a cognizance of all the different ways that are out there to get educated as a musician. And I'd love to get your thoughts on what are some of the best ways that musicians can get more educated about the industry? Cause there's more information than ever out there, but sometimes it can be overwhelming and specifically do you think there's still value in formal degree programs? Uh, If for artists who are young enough that this is an option is a formal degree program in music business or music entrepreneurship, a worthy endeavor, or is there enough stuff out there that's free or, you know, much cheaper than uh, a school tuition, you know, McGill tuition (laughs) uh, to take that path instead.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's one that I, uh, I, I, I kind of take the, 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 wimpy way out by saying, I don't know that there's the right answer for everyone. Um, but I, I definitely think you should think very seriously before investing, you know, $160,000 in a four year music program. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, many people on our team went to Berkeley and had a wonderful experience and they're very, very happy. They, they went there, their, their network is all Berkeley and, and all of those people are, are moving forward and being successful. And, and because of that, um, you know, they, they're, many of the opportunities in their lives come, lives come through that Berkeley network. So there, there are certainly kind of uses for, um, for kind of formal, uh, on campus education degrees still. That said, the flip side is that, you know i i can't remember where i read this but there was there was some stat about there were fewer starting opening there were few opening fewer openings in symphony orchestras across the country than there were graduates in Juilliard last year and uh-huh. so obviously that's a tough situation if you've just spent a lot of money to go to Juilliard <laughs> And you're hoping, you know, your, your career path leads you into a symphony orchestra. Um, it's the the chances. The truth is that most of the musicians I know who are making a living uh, as musicians have it, it's taken them many years to get there. So if you're going into a if you're going into debt to to study music, I I think that that could be a mistake. Um, I think with creativity, you can. You, you there are other ways to get there. In terms of your the kind of big picture part of your question, all the or or maybe it's something you were just referencing in your question. All the information that you would be learning from music school you can find without paying that money and going to formal music school. So I don't think the value in formal music education, like on campus, is in the information acquisition. I think it's in being around talented musicians, practicing with talented musicians, you know, meeting talented professors, going out of your way to get their input and making connections, um, et cetera, et cetera. All the information, if you're just like, I don't, you know, I don't know how to navigate the industry. I want to learn more. Uh, you know, get your Google hands ready and and just start, uh, you know, just start poking around, follow the, you know, learn from the musicians you love. Uh, see how they they took their journey. Um, you know go to Coursera and do their classes, go to Soundfly and do our classes, go to um, YouTube and and just you know poke around with people that that are interesting on YouTube. So I, I think you're absolutely right that the purpose of formal education is not is not a good investment if all you want is just to learn information. Um, I think it, 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 the story is more complicated if, if you go in knowing that actually what you want is this experience with other musicians and collaborations and a big network that'll serve you for the rest of your life, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Right on. And great is insight. That a no, <laughs> is no. That a the, <laughs> a, the, the nuanced answer that we would always expect from a front facing, uh, music business executive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <It's> perfect <laughs> sense.
0: No, great, great insight. And, you know, And really, I think that answer was still a lot more tougher on formal education than you normally get, which is people just saying, oh, there's no substitute for a good old-fashioned college. So um, Mm. great, great comprehensive answer there. Fantastic. And (laughs) all your answers have been great. And so I'm excited to ask you this last question that I ask all the guests on this show. Do you have any final tips to share with our indie artist listeners out there to help them move their careers forward?
1: Yeah, it's just keep on learning. It's really it's really to, to always take a, a learning approach to everything you're you're doing in your career. Um, you know, I, I think the mistake I see musicians make a lot is expecting that their next album is going to be the thing that, you know, pushes them to the top of the charts and making millions. And that might be the case. I hope that's the case, especially if you're a great artist, I'd love to hear your music at the top of the charts. Um, but This journey we're on is so much more satisfying and so much more fun if you're constantly just approaching everything as another chance to learn more about who you are as a human, who you want to be, about what sort of music you want to create, about new skills that you want to pick up, um, and about anything else that interests you. So, So never stop learning is really the the, the totally, uh, totally expected answer to get from a music education executive. But there you go. <laughs> I,
0: I was waiting for you to just go off the board and be like, learning highly overrated. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. That's for,
1: another day. Yeah, that's for next time.
0: <laughs> no, no, great, great insight. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, folks, you can check uh, out his platform at www.soundfly.com. Ian, we really appreciate you taking the time. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to have you on again real soon.
1: Thanks, Ryan.